We have thus far, we have been looking at since the beginning of this year, like a tree. And then from there, the church grows warmer through fellowship. From there, the church grows deeper through discipleship. After that, the church grows stronger through worship. After that, the church grows wider through ministry. And today, we're going to look at the church grows larger through evangelism. Evangelism. The gospel is good news. And since it's good news, you should want to tell that good news and let everybody in on what you have. Go to 1 Timothy chapter number 1, uh, two verses, verse 15 and 16, growing larger through evangelism. Paul writes, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Jesus to life everlasting. Preacher, I can't come to Jesus. I've been a real mean guy. How many Christians have you killed lately? Huh? Because that's what Paul had done. Paul had drugged people out of churches and had them killed. And God's, and, uh, God's word through this man Paul is, what God will be able to do throughout thousands of years is to use me as a prime example that if God can save that rascal, he can save your boss. He can save that person that you think is just beyond hope. Again, how many people has that person killed? Probably not anybody. How many people they drug out of church? Probably not anybody. Paul had done all those things, and God saved that man and has used him for nearly 2,000 years as an example. If God can save that man, God can save anybody, anybody. Would you pray with me? Father, I am believing, God, this morning that you're going to ignite the words that we will say, and, Lord, that you will penetrate them into the heart of every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. The top 10 lies told in America. Number one, your table will be ready in one minute. <laughs> I let that go for the first time. I say thank you. And then I let that go when the waiter or waitress comes around the second time. And I say thank you. When they come around the third time and tell me that, I tell the wife, we're not staying any longer, we're leaving. Much to the horror of Carlin and Justine Loker one time who happened to be with us. They were so horrified that they told me they didn't go back to Applebee's for like two years. Because they didn't want anybody to know that they was in on all of that. 
Number two, one size fits all. That's a big fat lie. That's a big fat lie. That's what that is. I love elastic is what I... <laughs> uh, number three, this will hurt me more than it hurts you. Kids, you ever heard that? Number four, the check is in the mail. Boy, no laughs on that. That might have hit too close at home. This offer is limited to the first 50 callers. That's a lie. That's a lie. When someone comes up to you and says, I need five minutes of your time. Lie. That's a lie. I'll start my diet tomorrow. It's a lie. I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's starting of a bad day when you hear that. Number nine, when your construction worker tells you it will take how many days? Seven to ten days. Lie. Unless it's Taylor Construction. Um, and lie number ten, one person can't make a difference. That's a lie. That is a lie. I heard that uh, two weeks ago when Short was uh, preaching here, he used this illustration, and I'm going to use it again because the reason why, he stole my illustration. This is my illustration to begin with. <laughs> a guy by the name of Edward Kimball, who everybody referred to as Mr. Kimball, was a Sunday school teacher that took great pride in his Sunday school class. And after having one young man not visit his class three Sundays in a row, he went to where that young man worked at the neighborhood shoe store and went and found a young man by the name of, of Dwight and coaxed him back into that Sunday school class, and D.L. Moody was saved through that one Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teachers always take your job as of utmost importance because there may be a D.L. Moody or a Billy Graham sitting in there room. You never know. You never know. And D.L. Moody preached and with one hand lifted America to God and with another hand lifted London to God or England to God. And at one time as he was in London, England preaching, he encouraged a preacher that was so discouraged he was ready to quit the ministry. That preacher's name was F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer then, being energized by the Holy Spirit, came to America and preached, and that man won a guy by the name of Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman won a guy by the name of Billy Sunday, who was a Chicago White Sox ball player, won him in a tent meeting, and Billy Sunday was called to preach and led a guy by the name of Mordecai Ham to Jesus, and Mordecai Ham went to the hills of North Carolina to preach, and a guy by the name of Billy Graham was converted. And after that, millions of people have been won to Jesus Christ, and it all started with one Sunday school teacher. It's a lie to say that one person can't make a difference. Jesus said, him that comes to me, I will not cast out. Not the corporation that comes to him, him 
that comes to him, that come to Jesus, I will not cast out. And he doesn't say intellectual him or smart him or intellectual him or handsome him or reverend him or beautiful him or muscular him. He just said him that comes to me, I will not cast out. I like that. In Acts 15, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Simple as that. In Acts chapter 8, a guy by the name of Philip is preaching a revival, and a citywide revival. The Bible says that joy came to that city because of that revival that happened, and in the midst of that, God called that one man, Philip, to the desert. And that guy was so in tune with God that he left a city-wide camp meeting and went to a desert to win one person. And most preachers would say, that ain't God speaking to me. That's the devil because I got this camp meeting going on. But that man was in tune. And he went and won one person from Ethiopia. And that man went and won everybody else in that country of Ethiopia and jumped a continent and started winning people in that different continent. Philip, one man, reached another guy, one man, and that one man made a difference. And Philip did it with the best book on soul winning they had in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah and did it with the best chapter in that book on soul winning, Isaiah chapter 53. He won that man to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, him that comes to me, I will not cast you out. Jesus didn't say, him that comes to me and feels different. This is what I hear all the time. Well, preacher, I came to Jesus and I didn't feel any different. The Bible didn't say anything about that. Bible doesn't say anything about that. Either you take God at his word or you don't. Him that comes to me, you come to Jesus Christ. Jesus will not cast you away or cast you aside or cast you out. He will receive you. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. He that comes to me, you look the word up, it means runs to me, walks to me, crawls to me, resorts to me. Jesus may be your last resort. You still need to come to him. And it's clear, you get to him any way you can. There are people that fight through the crowds to get to Jesus, and we have it so easy in America that we just take it for granted and we snoot our nose at it because it is so easy. God has done the big part. The next move is yours. See, the Pope can't save you. An Episcopalian preacher can't save you. An Assembly of God preacher can't save you. A Church of God preacher can't save you. A Baptist preacher can't save you. How many Baptists in the crowd? How many won't admit to it? <laughs> you can always tell the Baptists and because if the music gets going a little bit, they get to tap in one foot. They're almost wanting to tap both, but they think, oh, somebody will accuse me of dancing. I ain't going to do that. <clears throat> Methodist preacher can't save you. The church can't save you. The baptistry can't save you. Communion can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Amen. And Jesus said, come to me.
I will not cast you out. The next move is yours. We have all sinned. I have used this. Matter of fact, I used it, mm, that would have been two weeks ago. And within three or four days, that man who was dying of cancer, he died and went on to be with the Lord. As, as, as much as I am on people getting in there and doing right and reading the Bible and church attendance and paying your tithes and winning others to Jesus, that guy didn't do any of that and still made it to heaven. Got saved, and a few days later, he went on to be with Jesus. And I gave him this little book that I have used dozens of times. It says, Why Jesus Died. And you open it up, and there's a mirror, and it's looking right at you. And I handed that man this book, and he opened it up and looked at it and saw himself and said, yes, that is why Jesus died. And very simply, it was easy for me to pray with that man for him to believe Jesus Christ as his Savior. Four men in the Gospels brought one man to Jesus Christ. They broke the roof off and let him down. I personally believe those four men represent four different scriptures. I want you to turn in your Bible. This is why we don't have all the scriptures up on the screen. I don't want you to become lazy. I want you to bring your Bible. That way you can follow along. I know other preachers have all the scriptures up on the screen. I just think it's a reason not to bring your Bible. Romans chapter number 3. Go there. Romans 3. The Bible says in verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want you to take an ink pen and write next to that, I want you to write Romans 6, 23, right next to that. Oh, no, preacher, my Bible's too holy to write in. Well, you need to get a different Bible. Get a Bible that you can use. And from there... That way you will know, if you're talking to someone, you will know when you turn to 323 and you read that, right next to your Bible it says 623. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Billy Graham. That's everybody. Whoever you're talking to can't worm away from that and get out of that. All have sinned. And then you go to 623. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right next to that verse, you write 10, verse 9. Chapter 10, verse 9. And then you'll know where to go on the next verse. The next verse is the third guy that's helping bring this man to Jesus. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And right next to that, you write chapter 10, verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many believe that God tells the truth? How many believe God tells the truth every time? How many believe God tells the truth every time in his word? Right there, he says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, but I didn't feel a certain way. Don't say that. Not in the word. 
If you with an intent heart and a full confession of God, knowing that he did die for your sin, he did rise again, you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved, thank God. Preacher, it's not my time. I'll know when it's my time. Your time is right now. Well, that one time when I was in a service and they'd give the altar call, I felt a certain way. I'm waiting for that feeling again. How many here has ever performed a wedding? You ever performed a wedding? Few of us. Will you take, do you take Billy Bob to be your lawfully wedded husband? And she's standing over saying, it's always about right. Here. And she's already passed the bouquet, and she's saying, looks over to the preacher and says, I'm waiting for a feeling. <laughs> no, don't work that way. Don't work that way. It's time to say, I do. It's time to say, I do. And God has proposed to every person on this planet, and it's not you waiting for a feeling. God has proposed it's time for you to say, I do. I accept that. In my life, I've said some mighty big things, life-changing things, life-altering things, life for the better things, let me add. Will you marry me? I said, I do. Life-changing. Men, life-changing, right? For better, for worse, right? For richer, for poorer, right? One guy said, I married 16 women that day. You'll get it tomorrow. I remember calling mom up, saying, Mom, it's a boy. These boys grow up. Where's he at? Right up there. And then I remember calling mom up and saying, Mom, it's a girl. That's life-changing. To say it's a girl, that's life. But the greatest, most life-changing thing I have ever said is, Jesus, forgive me. I receive you as Savior. Life-changing. The enemy told me that night, you will never have another friend. He's a liar. Because of, of me saying yes to Jesus and pastoring this church, I have had more friends and met more people than I ever would have had otherwise. The devil's a liar. He'll try to keep you down. The work that we want to do, yes, on Sundays, thank God it's here. On Wednesdays, thank God it's here. But primarily, it's outside this building. If we was all on board a, a huge ship, and the captain was on the ship, and we spent our time praising the captain... He's the greatest captain ever. And the captain said, there's people out there in the water. You see them? They're out there in the water. They're drowning. 
You got to rescue them. You got to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. And all the while, all the, all the crew and all the people on board the ship, they would turn to the captain and say, Captain, we love you. We honor you. We adore you. And the captain say, there's people that are drowning. You got to save them. And the, and the crew and all the people on board, Captain, we honor you. We love you. We worship you. You're the greatest captain of all. And the captain say, there's people drowning. You got to work. You got to get out there and work and get them. This is going on throughout churches in America. Where the captain has been real, real, real clear on this. We're to rescue those that need to be rescued. Instead, we spend all of our time worshiping and praising and doing the good things and forget about getting our hands dirty out there in the work-a-day world trying to reach someone. And that's what the captain wants us to do. Remember, the four men represent four scriptures, Romans 3, 23. And, I, and I, I'm just going to say this. I, I'm going to give you a method to my madness here. When I go, when someone has asked me to go or I go and witness to someone that I know that needs Jesus, I wear a coat, never a suit coat, I wear a Levi jacket, and I've usually got some kind of Levi's or Wranglers or whatever on. Uh, Candace calls that my Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> I didn't know that's what it was called, but evidently it is. And they've got two big pockets, big enough for this Bible, New Testament, to go in this pocket, and big enough for this little thing to go in this pocket. And I start out with this right here. That breaks down the barriers that a lot of people have. Because to begin with, they don't want to read. And you're handing them a book and they think they're going to have to read. And instead they open it up and they see themselves and it's why Jesus died. And it's like, well, yeah. And I never take my, I never take, I've got this Bible that I preached out of. I never take this. I never take a big Bible big enough to choke a mule. I never do that. I don't take I don't take the bazooka. I take the Derringer. It'll get the job done too. And I've got that Romans 3.23 where I know that's where I'm going to go. And from there, 6.23 is written out to the side. And then from there on that, it's chapter 10, verse 9. And then after that, it's chapter 10, verse 13. I know where I'm going to go. And I don't get in arguments with people. I just lead them and just like the four men did where they, where they let that man down to Jesus, I'm doing the same thing. I'm leading that person to Jesus. i got to wrap this up. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, it's hard to imagine, the golden girl of news TV, and everybody clamored, wanted her, was Jessica Savage. How many ever remembers what she, yeah, great, beautiful, smart, photogenic. She was the news anchor for NBC. October 23rd, 1983, Jessica Savage and her date was driving home from a party and it was raining just in sheets and they drove over a retaining wall and they landed 
in a deep creek and they both drowned. What was found in her, in her suit jacket pocket when her body was retrieved was this letter that she had written. It has occurred to me early that it's already too late. That's haunting to me. Because that girl was at the, that woman was at the pinnacle of her profession and there was still something missing within her life and she knew it. It's occurred to me early that it's already too late. There was a longing in her soul that being a network news anchor could not fill. A number of times when I went to visit, and I don't think Greg would be offended by me saying this. I didn't ask him first, but uh, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. So, <laughs> number of times when I went to visit him in prison, what they would do before you was allowed on in, they would mark your hand, and it was with, you couldn't see it. And a lot of you have that's happened, where like you go to Six Flags or something like that, they put a mark on you where. I mean, you basically can't see it. I thought of this one time in visiting him to where when I got ready to leave, I had to put my hand through this thing, and there that mark was on my hand. And I thought, the Holy Spirit has put a seal on my life. And you can't see it. You can't see it. You can't see it with the, with the naked eye. It's invisible. But one of these days in the light of eternity, there it will be. And God will say, enter on in to the joy that's been prepared. And it's incumbent upon me and important to me to the nth degree for me to win somebody else and not for me just to be content because, well, I've got mine. I hope somebody else gets theirs. That's as far away from New Testament Christianity as anything could be. You, you look at it in the book of Acts, 90% of time, effort, resource, everything was dedicated to winning someone else, not pacifying the people that were already won. Now, I know a lot of churches, they wouldn't like that. But I think here in this church, we're seeing that more and more, but that is the truth of the gospel message. We grow larger through evangelism. Well, me and my wife and Joe and his wife, us four no more, Acts 2-4. That's not, that's not what God's about. Let's grow larger through evangelism. And I've given you some pretty good tools today. I'll give you the four men today that can help you bring that person to Jesus Christ. Please stand. First time I went to Israel, our tour guide was a guy by the name of Eleazar. Eleazar was real adept at saying this. Now let me show you something really special. And he did every time. He'd show you something really special every time. Let me kind of echo what Eleazar said to me. Let me say to you. 
Let me show you someone that's really special. His name is Jesus. You say, well, I can't see him. Oh, yeah, you do. You see him every time someone has an act of kindness or love or, or reaches out in Christian fellowship. You see him then. But one of these days, we will see him, as Revelation says, we shall see his face. Thank God. Thank God. And we can have calm assurance of faith in Jesus by just saying, I call out to you, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. No. Shall be saved. That's what it says. Lord, this is the message I feel that I was to preach this day. This message is no longer mine. It's theirs. And I'm praying, God, that what they do with it will be pleasing with you. For someone here today, they've never asked Jesus to be their Savior. Lord, I want to show them someone special today. I want them to see that they can have soul salvation and be on their way to heaven because of your amazing grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. What this cross behind me represents is everything that the gospel is about. Jesus reaching out with both arms and letting those nails be driven within his hands, letting his feet be pierced, all so his blood could be shed and that payment could be made and that we could be won. Touch the hearts of people here today. Impress upon this the importance of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right now as they sing, I want to throw this out here as well. If God's impressing somebody upon your heart that you need to speak to this week, I want you to come forward and ask God to give you that open door and the words to be able to say to do that. The devil will lie to you every time and say, you can't do it, it's too hard. That is a blatant lie. You can do it. You can do it. But I grant you, we all need strength to do it. Come on. Thank you.
our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.